Welcome one, welcome all to the M60 Podcast, where we're going to take 60 minutes to talk about men's issues and the masculine journey, business, money, sports, current events, and a whole lot more. This is going to be a 60-minute block of time for you to listen to during your commute, while you work out, while you do uh, yard work, work around the house, or whatever you want to use it as background noise to. We're going to have guests, a solo segment with just me and my thoughts on any number of topics, and a small homework session at the end. So who am I, and why am I talking about men's issues? Well, my name is John Waltz, and uh, I'm in my late 30s. I live in the Nashville area, and like many men, I've become kind of frustrated with life in the Western world, specifically around men's issues and the masculine journey. and those are a few things that aren't really talked about a whole lot in the podcast space, at least from what I've found. Now, uh, when it is talked about, it's usually one of a couple things, one of a couple different viewpoints that I've come across through articles and blogs and vlogs and other types of things. And one thing that sticks out is that people kind of come to look at the issue of men and masculinity as a whole and just say, well, you know, everything that's wrong with the world, it's because of the male gender and it's because of this and that. And we always hear the phrase toxic masculinity and whatever that means. We'll dive into that a little more, I'm sure, as the show goes on. Or there's a completely other side of the argument where you know, everything is the world's fault that that it's stacked against men, and that men don't have it as as good as uh, many think that they do. I had a football coach when I was in college. He said things are never as good as they seem, and they're never as bad as they seem. That somewhere in the middle is where reality lies. But I think anybody with uh, any kind of common sense can look at the state of masculinity and the state of gender roles in 2020 and detect that there's uh, definitely a crisis going on. So I was exposed to the men's rights movement, uh, the manosphere, the quote-unquote red pill content, MGTOW, or what what have you. It was about two years ago, and it was surrounding a relationship that I was interested in, but it did not get off the ground. And why am I saying this? Why am I talking about this? Well, a lot of the biases that were going through my mind were kind of confirmed and reinforced through the the MGTOW, MGTOW red pill content. A lot of the frustrations that I've had in relationships in the last few years, I can't really put my finger on exactly what's going on with it. I would imagine that I would be the first to say that I was the common denominator in all of those and that uh, I wasn't necessarily attractive to that. But at the same time, when you're experiencing frustration and anger, that if you have something that's going to confirm that bias to you, you're naturally going to be drawn to it. So... Some of the material that I've been exposed to and and that I've looked at myself uh, from popular YouTubers and podcasters in the in the manosphere in the the men's rights space, I I, I do find informative. I I do find truthful. I I think that family law in the Western world, especially, is is very much stacked against men. I think that uh, there are a lot of unfair aspects about society in general that kind of single men out but what I am also going to say is that there are definitely ways that men can improve and restore and 
heal their own lives through multitude of different things. I come from it, come at it from a a Christian viewpoint and from a a viewpoint of you can plug into God as Father and that uh, that He can guide you on this masculine journey. So I'm I'm no fan of third wave feminism. I'll I'll, I'll tell you that right now, and and I'm I'm not a fan of some of the ways that uh, a lot of especially younger women that with with this age of in this age of, of uh, the hookup culture the, and the virtual infinite number of sexual partners that that people are exposed to on a daily basis I'm I'm no fan of that uh, but it's not my goal to constantly rail on that every week or every time I put an episode together I want to get some value out of our time together. It's my goal to put together a fun, uplifting, and informative podcast. And as I said before, uh, we're going to have some guests come in. Uh, very good friend, some very good friends of mine that I look up to as men are going to be on the show. Uh, we're going to talk about what it means to be a man in 2020. We're going to talk about current events. We're going to put together some homework, not just for for you, the listener, but for myself as the host. And we're we're going to come back together, and we're going to we're going to talk about it, and we're we're going to interact. I, I have social media pages set up. There'll be links in the description and the show notes where you can interact with the show. Uh, obviously, I have the usual Patreon, Subscribestar, PayPal, all set up that you have access to if you want to support the content of this show. But uh, we're going to uh, we're, we're going to learn some things. We're going to learn from each other, and uh, I hope that you can stay tuned. We're going to uh, take a quick break and then get into uh, what I call the solo segment, what others call the meat segment, and then we're going to have a guest after that and a quick uh, homework wrap up after that. So stay tuned. I am John Waltz. This is the M60 podcast. Now. This is the part of the show where advertising would normally be. However, since I'm brand new at this, I don't have any sponsors yet. However, if you are interested in contributing to the creation of this show, you can access my Patreon, PayPal, and Subscribestar via links in the show notes. Also, you can interact with the show via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and Twitch. All you have to do is search M60 Podcast. Also, if you want to contribute to my equipment needs, I have an Amazon wish list that is posted for public viewing. Just search M60Podcast on Amazon.com. Contributors are going to have access to extra goodies and content when it becomes available. And if you are interested in sponsoring the show, you can email me at M60Podcast at gmail.com and put sponsorship in the subject line. That's the letter M, the number 60, podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for sitting through that. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the M60 Podcast. This is the uh, meat segment of the week. This is um, one of the main questions that I wanted to talk about here in this first episode was, what are the issues that men face in 2020? What is the driving question? What is the driving motivation for men in 2020 in this day and age and a little bit about me I graduated college in 2004 and, and when I did so I I was like pretty much every other college kid or, or headstrong teenager that you've ever met I, I thought I knew how the world worked and I thought that because I had uh, a piece of paper that said I knew something then by golly I knew something uh, but do you know I, I found myself uh, in a strange town about 500 plus miles away from home and I had really no clue how to be an adult and the, uh, the word adulting wasn't even a phrase yet uh, that was that was far off it was just you know be a man you have responsibilities take care of them you can't act like a child forever uh, through a few mentors and, and through uh, some friends, I, I found a book called Wild at Heart by an author named John Eldridge. And 
that book walks you through the masculine journey and kind of what um, what it means to be a man, especially a, a Christian man, and why men are driven to do some of the things that they do, and uh, some of that's okay. Um, one of the huge takeaways from the book is that there is a main question, a phrase that not necessarily a phrase, but there's a question, a driving force that that haunts every man that is a part of every man's makeup and motivation in life. Now, that question is, do I have what it takes? Am I good enough? Can I come through? Whether you consider yourself MGTOW, red-pilled, a white knight, a warrior poet, an average Joe, a simp, a stud, no matter your race, religion, or lack thereof, your politics, your vocation, stage of life, that question is the question that drives men. Do I have what it takes? Can I come through? Am I a winner? This question remains even in 2020. We, we're always looking at, do I have what it takes? Can I, how do I compare with, with other men? How do I compare with where I thought I would be at this stage of my life? The, and, you know, if you listen to the world today, if you listen to others, that resounding answer is no. That, that you don't have what it takes, that you don't have anything to offer. If, if you look at the way third wave feminism encourages women to act these days is that women they encourage women to be tough they encourage women to be hard to be to be leaders in in the corporate world and leaders in the boardroom and to take over the roles of 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 men and and to to be to be men it's it's really kind of a strange phenomenon if you look at it the the world today wants men to be women and they want women to be men in the way that they that they act and conduct themselves with each other in the way that gender roles are 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 distributed not distributed but the way that gender roles are are praised and and enforced and it's just a, a very strange phenomenon that that men so often want to find an easy answer to this question this question of do I have what it takes can I come through am I good enough that they'll do they'll do whatever they'll be passive they'll take a back seat to to various issues and and they'll take a back seat to uh, various roles and 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 not have the courage to, to do things that that they want to do uh, in order to have this question answered even somewhat yes. Uh, th this question manifests itself in, in almost every aspect of a man's life. And, you know, if you, if you don't believe me, just look at some of the things that, w that we do as men, that we, that we look at as men. Um, you know, why, why are we so critical of sports teams that, that don't come through or, or come up short, even in, in championships? Why, why do we do that? Because they didn't come through. They, quote-unquote, didn't have what it takes. And, you know, we, we, identify, we identify with, with that, and we don't like to see that. We, we praise the winners. Why, why do we use money and status as scorecards in life? Why do we think that if we are not, if we are not a CEO or if we are not a, in some type of a management or leadership position by a certain point in our careers, why, why do we feel like failures? Why do we feel like that if we aren't making a certain amount of, of money that... Um, that we're we're failures that we're not good enough why do we measure ourselves against our classmates in later in life i 
am so so guilty of doing this. I I have a, a good friend of mine. He he owns his own chiropractic uh, practice out in Phoenix. Married, he's married, has two wonderful kids, and um, sometimes when I think about when I look at his life from the outside, I, I, I look at myself and I'm just like, wow, I feel like I've kind of sputtered along for, for 15 years since I've been out of college and haven't made much out of myself. I, I look at some of my other classmates and, and realize that they on the apparent on the outset on the outside they look like they may have uh, a completely better life than I do and that, that type of comparison is is very dangerous uh, if you think it only uh, exists in the in the female world you're you're sadly mistaken we we men are just as good at comparing ourselves as to each other as 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 anybody else and that stems from this central question that we have if, that uh, we want to see if we have what it takes you know, why, why do we feel the urge to make every conversation about ourselves if you don't know a guy like that you probably are that guy it's it's one of those type of things every single topic that comes up instead of talking about the topic a they twist it and turn it to to make it look like make it look like that they're the center of attention and that's just another way that that men pose and that's just another way that that men want to show that that they do have what it takes why why do we idolize or or demonize our our leaders we I mean, this current president is is a great example of that we've there are some people on the right that want to deify Trump, that that think that President Trump is just the greatest thing, the greatest president that we've had. And I, you know, I'll, I'll agree. I I think that I'll agree with some of that. I think uh, President Trump has done very very well in his administration. There's some areas that he, he could have done better. Um, but I think for the most part, I think he's done a, a very good job. I've been pleasantly surprised. But then there's another part of the country that just thinks that he's the devil incarnate. And it was the same thing when President Obama was in office. I, I, don't, I don't think President Obama was a very good president. But I, I don't think he was any type of antichrist. Or I don't think he was any type of you know deity or anything like that. I, I don't think that... I don't think any man is worthy of the praise that's heaped on them when they're in a position of power like that. But we we either idolize them or we hate them because that question that we that lens that we looked at them at them through do they have what it takes? If they we we think that they do have what it takes, we lift them up we put them on a very high pedestal if they don't appear to have what it takes we love to demonize them we love to tear them down we love to point out how silly and ridiculous they are why why do we put uh why do we put figures in sports like men like bill belichick or nick saban or Sidney Crosby, LeBron James on, on pedestals or, or hate them so much. It's the same type of thing. We look at them and they're a quote-unquote great winner. They're, they're quote-unquote geniuses they, because they're answering that question. They're, they're answering that question that they do have what it takes. And if their answer of yes to that question that they do have what it takes that they can come through if it comes at the expense of one of our favorite sports teams or sports figures then then we hate them and we try and find flaws with them you know the i'm a big hockey fan and one of the big things of uh, criticisms of Sidney crosby was that he's uh, is that he's a crybaby well in reality he's probably not that much of a crybaby any more than anybody else out on the ice but we just we look at some we look at some way to try and tear him down because he's 
because he's won three Stanley Cups. And if we are not a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins, then we have to find a right reason why he he doesn't have what it takes. There's got to be another. There's got to be a different reason. You know, Bill Belichick, uh, Tom Brady, the the thing swirling around the Patriots always is always that they were they were cheaters. Uh, that that they did things to give themselves an advantage, and that makes us feel better when we see that uh, oh, our favorite teams that that we try and uh, idolize or get behind. That the reason why Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and and people that we view as cheaters or bad people that that the reason why they got by was it wasn't because they had what it took. It wasn't because that that they put in hours and hours and hours of film study in or hours and hours of conditioning in or, or any other thing like that. No, they, they cheated and that was what gave them that, that advantage. You know, why, why do men settle in their dating lives? Why do they settle in their careers? Why do we not go after the things that, that we want? Because we're afraid of we're afraid of that rejection, and then that rejection turns into a resounding no. And that no hurts. When we get a no from someone that we've placed on a pedestal or a no from someone that uh, that we want to hear that yes from, then that, that hurts our pride, that hurts our ego, that can crush our spirits. Why? One of the reasons that uh, that men watch pornography. One of the reasons that pornography is such a huge addiction among men in the Western world, especially in 2020, where it's now. In in the early age of the internet, we didn't think that that pornography would even qualify as an addiction. Now it's it's in our pocket. We you can pull out your smartphone and have have high-definition pornography streaming to it in a matter of 30 seconds if you know what you're doing. It is it is well into the addictive territory. But why do men do it? Why is it a fast-growing addiction among men? It's because pornography does not require a man to be a man. It is a cheap and artificial way of answering that question that we have what it takes. Do I have what it takes to uh, to see this beautiful woman naked? Well, all I have to do is pull out my phone and push a few buttons and there she is. And with the different subgenres of, of pornography and, and with cam sites, you give that girl a little bit of money and she'll do and say anything that she wants for you. Why Instagram? Why are there so many scantily clad women on Instagram? Why are they so hypersexualized? Because the attention that men give them, the attention that they get, the clicks and the likes that that they get, and men search these profiles and they like these pictures because they they actually double tap and click like because it it's a way that hopefully we can get some type of attention from from this woman and that that she can say oh you you are a man you do have what it takes why why do men go for the sure thing why do men go for the guarantee because it's the same reason it's the same exact reason we want to have that question answered as a yes and we are willing to go to great lengths to have that question answered as a yes. We're, we're willing to go to great lengths to have that question be affirmed for us, e- even if it's even if it's a, you know, a cheap way of, of doing that. One of the things that uh, that kinda, that came to my attention that I didn't really know a whole lot about until I started following the the, the red pill and the, the red pill movement and the, the quote unquote manosphere is a, a term called uh, hypergamy or, or hypergamy and this is definitely touches on that core question of as a man do I have what it takes 
Now, for those of you who don't know, the definition of the term uh, hypergamy or hypergamy, I, I think probably the proper pronunciation is hypergamy, but uh, it is a term used in social science for the act or practice of a person marrying a spouse of higher caste or social status than themselves. Essentially, what does that mean? Well, that means the princess does not marry the pauper. That simply means that women try not to date or marry a man who may or may not take care of their needs. It's uh, it's a thing that's that's been around for for a long time. We we see it in extreme situations. Um, if a lot of times, if we see the a, a significantly younger, more attractive woman marry uh, a man who's quite a bit older, uh, with with quite a big age gap, well, we can kind of understand why she did that. That's that's kind of the layman's term of hypergamy. A, a very extreme example of hypergamy was uh, when Anna Nicole Smith was married to a much, much older man who was pretty much old enough to, to be her grandfather, but he was uh, a very wealthy man, and that was one of the draws to it. So the way that this question, or the way that hypergamy kind of tackles the, the question or the way that it interacts with with the core question that that a man has is of do I have what it takes am I good enough the that comes through in a sense that you are good enough you do have what it takes if you have this type of thing if you meet this uh, social cast. If you're in this type of social status, then that's going to draw the women to you. Um, now, there is a lot more to life than than just women, but this is the the one area that's kind of sticking out in my mind right now as I record this uh, when I talk about hypergamy. But uh, you know it. It's definitely if if you're like if you're like me, I'm I'm, I'm kind of an average-looking guy. I would say uh, a little bit heavier set. Uh, I I don't I don't have a lot of uh, disposable wealth. I, I don't meet all of those uh, all of those categories that would make necessarily make me a desirable mate to uh, to a woman right right now uh, at the time of recording this. Um, that and and I kind and I understand that so I don't go looking to my dating relationships I don't go looking to that part of the social construct to to answer the question if I have what it takes or not I go to God my father I try to go to God my father and and I ask him do I do I have what it takes are you are you pleased with me are are you do can I come through? And that's a journey that that we're all on. And this can this can lead to uh, looking to the world, looking to other places to answer that question of do I have what it takes? It can manifest in a lot of different ways. Uh, it, it can result in depression if you take it to the wrong things. If if you keep looking to your bank account to see if you have what it takes, if you keep looking to your career to see if you have what it takes, it's like a bully in the schoolyard that keeps drawing that line in the sand and dares you to cross. It 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 dares you to cross. It's like that Bugs Bunny cartoon. Well, I dare you to step across this line. I dare you to step across this line. And it's kind of a running gag, but that's what. That's what this question. That's what this question does to does to people, and it can result in a lot of depression. It manifests in in a lot of different ways, but it is one thing that that men combat a lot of in the Western world today. And if you keep going to the wrong places to answer that question, that can lead to. 
that can lead to going MGTOW. MGTOW is a movement on the internet of, uh, it's uh, an acronym for men going their own way, of abandoning the dating scene and, and just abandoning uh, society altogether and just going their own way and, and trying to find their own their own way and their own source of happiness in the world. What a lot of what a lot of men in the red pill movement and in the MGTOW movement and what a lot of what what we're missing is gratitude. We live in a great country. We live in a great time in history where there's a lot of information available to us that's that's positive information. But you just need to be grateful for what you have and be grateful for for where you are in life. And if you're in a situation where you may not be, uh, where you can't see a lot of things to be grateful for, find something that you can be grateful for and use that to, to try and change your, your attitude. Get in a, a group of, of men that will encourage you and that will maybe answer that core question as a yes every once in a while. We're going to get into that a little bit more with my guest. His name is Mike McDowell. He's coming up right after the break. He is a leader in the sales world here in the Nashville area. He's been a very good friend of mine for 15 plus years. We've known each other and he's had a lot of uh, the issues that men face in the Western world. Uh, he's he's been through divorce. He's he has a couple of children. He's he's uh, on a second marriage right now, um, and his marriage is very strong. But he is uh, the type of guy that I look up to, and uh, want to be just like him when I grow up. And if and if I were to mentor a young man, I would point out to to him. I'd say look at look at Mike and and look at how he is, and that's what uh, a true man looks like in 2020 in in the western world so he's coming up right after this break uh, we'll have uh, an interview with him in a few segments uh, for uh, patreon and subscribe star uh, members and uh, links to that will be in the show notes um, but more to come on that later so stick with me uh, i hope i haven't been uh, too far all over the map for you but uh, Coming up next is the is my interview with my good friend Mike McDowell for episode one of the M60 podcast, and then after that we're going to have a quick wrap-up and homework segment. Stick with us. Hey, just want to let you know that if you want to interact with the show and provide potential topics for me to cover during the show, you can interact with me on social media via t- Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, TikTok, Switch, Snapchat, however you like to use social media, or you can email me at m60podcast at gmail.com. That's the letter M, the number 60, podcast at gmail.com, and just put in the subject line article or potential show suggestion, and I will review it accordingly. Welcome back to the M60 Podcast. I am here with our very first guest. He is a friend and a man that I just look up to tremendously. I've known him for 15 years. He is a sales leader here in the Nashville area. His name is Mike McDowell. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for doing it. First John, thanks for having me, man. This is great. Yeah, first uh, first guest. How does it feel? Uh, it's an extreme honor. Uh, we've known each other for over a decade, and uh, here we are sitting on your first podcast. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, you sound a lot less nervous than I do. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, none of this is on me right now, so... Uh, I know this is... Uh, None of it's on you yet. <laughs> yet, exactly, you. yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, one of the things that, uh, that I'm trying to tackle with this show is just the overall masculine journey in, uh, in 2020 and kind of what it means to be a man in the, in the 21st century in the Western world. And, um, you know, you, you've been through uh, quite a bit in, in your own life um, and... Even in the time that I've known you, gosh, in the time that I've known you, you've gotten married, had had a few kids, and um, excelled in tremendously in your career. And um, so, I, when when I think of good uh, good male role models, you're 
definitely one that, that comes to mind for me. Um, you know, if I someday when I do have a uh, have a son, or or um, you know, someday, you know, when I am in a position to, to mentor people, I would, you're the type of person that I would kind of that I would point to and, and say, hey, you know, if you want to know what a, a true a true man I and mean, a good man looks like, look at look at this guy here that I've known for a long time. So. The overarching theme of the show uh, is we explore the question, what does it mean to be a man in the 21st century? So as you look back on your life and your masculine journey, how, how would you answer that question? What, what does it mean for, for you? What does it look like to be a man in the 21st century? Uh, first of all, let me say thank you for the kind words. And uh, that is very, very kind of you. Uh, gratitude, actually, uh, is one of the things that comes to mind. I think a lot of times, uh, if we're not grateful for what we do have, especially in the world that we live in uh, today, if we're not grateful for what we have, um, then we're not going to have a good foundation. And so starting off with gratitude, I think, is, is one of the keys. Uh, another would be uh, self-awareness. You know, being self-aware, being aware of your strengths, of your weaknesses, of your personality type, uh, knowing what makes you tick. Uh, knowing what makes you get ticked off, uh, you know, knowing knowing your personality, uh, being self-aware, uh, you know, being able to know where there's blind spots, and that comes with accountability, and so you got to know and uh, be made aware and be willing to uh, know that there are some blind spots, and so uh, thirdly, I would say ownership, really taking ownership. Uh, there are folks who uh, you know live with a victim mentality. All of us have opportunities in our life to uh, actually cower into a victim mentality. And so no one um, is taking 100% ownership 100% of the time. And so again, we always have those opportunities to uh, think like a victim. And so to be a man in the 21st century, uh, I think uh, you know having ownership over what we do, over what we think, over what we say uh, is big. Great, great. Now, take a... Take me back to um, your your younger days. Let's say you're let's say you just turned 25, and then or and uh, you're entering into you're entering into your own type of masculine journey, mm-hmm. and your older self comes back to you and tells you these things. What what type of resources or how how would you go about? Um, how would your older self tell your younger self how to seek those mm-hmm. those things out? How to find your personality type, how to find what makes you tick, how, mm-hmm. how to take ownership on those things. I, I feel like there's a lot of, um, in, in this day and age, especially the victim mentality too, we were kind of talking on the, on the way up here about the quote-unquote manosphere online is that, you know, it's a lot of angry white guys yelling into the camera right. rather than, you know, okay, I need to take accountability over this situation or ownership of this situation. So there's a lot of guys in the... Uh, in the Gen Z that are that are coming up and becoming adults now that are kind of on that teetering point. So, what would you say to them that uh, mm. um, how how would they find those type of uh, type of things in their life? Right. So, uh, reading is huge, and so I don't do as much of it as I should or as I want to. But reading is huge. I remember when I was about that twenty-five year old age, probably twenty-six. Uh, I read, um, I believe it's called Battlefield of the Mind. And so that really helped me a lot, knowing you know that our minds can you know sometimes um, you know uh, play against us. And so uh, you know the Bible talks about the flesh, you know, it talks about um, you know guarding our hearts. It talks about transforming and renewing our minds. It has a lot to say about you know what we think about, what we dwell on, the things that we allow in. And uh, you know, if we don't, you know, capture or take thoughts captive, and we allow them to uh, kind of stir in us, then uh, we can become anxious. Mm-hmm. And I've dealt with anxiety uh, in my life, and so a lot of it begins in the mind. And so, really, getting into good books uh, helps you uh, to do so. Um, I read Twelve Rules for Life uh, over the last year or so, uh, going through that with a group of guys. Uh, Jordan Peterson. Peterson. Yes, sir. I'm going through that audiobook now. Excellent, excellent. And so, uh, you know, doing so in a group setting allows for others' perspectives to be, you know, brought out of those pages. And so I could read it on my own, 
or I could read it and then discuss it with a group of guys, which we have done. And so that, that was very helpful. Um, when I was 25, uh, podcasts probably weren't even a thing. And so, um, you know, YouTube, uh, I don't even believe was, um, you know, quite uh, on everyone's radar. And so uh, really uh, watching good videos on YouTube and, and listening to good podcasts, you know, feeding your brain uh, during those times where you would normally turn off your brain. Now let me say this, there are times where we need a reprieve and we need rest. You know, uh, God created the seventh day for rest, right? right? And so we do need that. We do need that. It's very important. John Eldridge, you know, he says that you need to take that, you know, pause, that minute pause. And so uh, we need to do that. But a lot of times I feel that we have so much information being brought to us and uh, so many things at our disposal that will distract us that we have actual downtime that we're not really taking advantage of. And so Dave Ramsey, you know, he calls it, you know, the, um, you know, you've got the car university or, you know, your uh, drive time university. There's different names for it. But if you're on a commute, you know, let's listen to a good podcast. You know, let's go ahead and feed our brains. Let's uh, feed our minds, you know, so that our brains can, you know, think of these different ideas and perspectives. Uh, it's only going to help you develop, you know, a, a, a better view of yourself and your situation. I agree, yeah. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this a lot from the stage that you have in your pocket in the 21st century the wealth of the world's knowledge in, in your pocket. So anything that you want to know about, anything that you want to learn about, you have literally at the, the touch of your fingers. So um, I, I would definitely agree that you've got to be you've got to be careful and you've got to be intentional about what you put into your brain, um, especially in this day and age when we're experiencing information overload. You do, you do, and. and, and I can't express uh, enough the importance of having someone to bounce that off of. And so if we're doing all this in isolation, that's not good. Okay, Even learning in isolation, it's not good. We need to make sure we're doing that with others. And uh, you know, people you trust, you know, people that you respect, I think that's going to be very helpful. Definitely, definitely. One of the things that I talked about in the, uh, in the previous segment is actually something that uh, I got from John Eldridge's um, book that he's the most known for, A Wild Heart, which speaks to the hearts of, of men, um, which was one of the inspirations for me starting this podcast. The The main question that kind of is in the, the pit of every man's soul is, uh, do I have what it takes? Uh, am, I, am I good enough? Can I come through? Um, that question manifests in a lot of different ways. How do you see that question manifesting in your own life and in the lives of uh, other men that you're close mm -hmm. to? Well, I will say that I see it right now, my eight-year-old son. And so you talk about you know men around me. He's not quite a man yet, but he will be. And uh, I, I see that in him now. And it takes me back to that age. And you know we all are trying to figure out if we have what it takes. And so it, it doesn't leave us when we're eight. It doesn't leave us when we're 18 or 28 or so on. And so um, it's always there. And so I've had it when I started a new, a new job. I had it when I started a new role. I still have it from time to time in current roles because you're always wondering, you know, hey, do I have what it takes? And so that thought creeps in. And so it can uh, keep you on your toes, keep you sharp. You know, my daughter, she was in a play recently, and so I told her, hey, nerves are good, it keeps you sharp, but don't let it overtake you, because we allow it to overtake us, then all of a sudden we're paralyzed. And so uh, be prepared, and a little nervous, that's fine. Uh, but when we start allowing this question of, do I have what it takes to actually overcome us, and it becomes our identity, that's when we're in a really bad spot. And so we need to make sure that it does not become our identity. And so, you know, we are created with a purpose. And so as long as we're moving toward that purpose or seeking out that purpose, then we do have what it takes. And so what we need to do is make sure that we're focusing on the purpose, not on our own, you know, abilities, you know, our own, uh, you know, maybe intelligence, you know, not, we cannot just rely on that. We need to know that we are created for a purpose and focus on that. Mike McDowell joining us on the M60 podcast today. Uh, he's a sales leader here in Nashville, one of my really great friends that I've known for over 15 years. And uh, 
I want to be just like him when I grow up. Um, he's shaking his head no, rather vigorously no. But uh, no, you, 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 you don't want the uh, you don't want the beard that I have. I don't know. It looks kind uh, of distinguished. Uh, distinguished is that what you call white? I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. White I, equals distinguished. I appreciate could, uh, that. You you could be on the next Just for Men. <laughs> you were a charmer until that. <laughs> um, Something that millions and millions of men deal with uh, is divorce. And we've, we've all heard the statistics that 50% um, of all marriages end in divorce. Um, and I, I know that that's something that you've personally dealt with. Mm -hmm. um, so just take us back to those days. Take us back to what that experience was like and just kind of what your overall emotions were in that point in time and, and mm -hmm. what uh, what did you do to, uh, to to move on and to heal from that right uh, so that stat is probably accurate it's accurate for me 50% of my marriages have ended in divorce <laughs> I've been married twice uh, I am currently married uh, to my beautiful wife for almost 13 years now and so we uh, we met when we were uh, Probably, let me think here. We met here just in my late twenties. Yeah, and I don't so think you quite turned thirty. I had not quite turned thirty, I and so. Did, did meet her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so uh, she's a little bit younger than me, five years uh, to be exact. Uh, but uh, yeah, prior to her, uh, I did meet a girl out of college, or in college, and we married out of college. And so uh, we were young, you know, she hadn't even finished college. Uh, she had finished her second year. And so, uh, you know, I asked her dad if I could uh, marry her. And uh, he had some reservations. I think he knew that we were young and there were some other things that, um, you know, probably needed to be accomplished. Uh, I was a little uh, thick-headed at the time, apparently. Didn't think I was, but the results uh, bear out that I was. And uh, I went ahead and came back to him months later and, and he did say, yes, I could have her hand in marriage. Uh, we married. Uh, we were uh, together, technically together, uh, for just over two years about two and a half years and then um, when she left uh, that left about two more years of us being married but separated and so walking through that you know time of separation uh, was uh, there was a lot of soul-searching uh, there was a lot of you know hey do I have what it takes you know uh, that definitely comes up uh, you feel like a failure uh, when you go through that um, you know then you know you go through the, the the grieving process you know and so you know you're mad and you're sad and you know there's uh, there's blame to go around you know every direction and so um, you know processing all of that I do remember one day I was uh, driving through Cincinnati and I it's the only time I feel like I heard an audible voice from God and what I heard was, what are you going to do? And I knew, I knew what he was saying. I knew what that meant. Because in my mind, I was going through this, almost a fork in the road. Do I go this way and just live how I want to live? Basically living by uh, what the Bible calls the lusts of the flesh. You know, do I go get, you know, revenge? Do I just go and live, you know, uh, how other people, you know, might live that, you know, differ from the standards I've had all of my life? Do I deviate from those standards? Or uh, do I live faithfully? Do I live faithfully to my God? Do I live faithfully to the marriage vows uh, that I had made? And so I had, to, I had to make a decision that day. And so uh, I said, okay, I know what I need to do. And so I chose to live faithfully uh, that day. And so through that two-year separation, um, I went ahead and actually got a tattoo on my finger that says faithful. Two reasons. One is a reminder of God's faithfulness through that process. And the other is a reminder of me to live faithfully to him and to uh, my, my commitments. Whether it was that marriage at that point or a future marriage down the road. And as you know, uh, God did bless me with uh, another marriage and a, and a wonderful wife. Now, um, I can obviously edit this question out if you if you don't want to answer it. Um, which uh, which party uh, initiated the the divorce? Mm -hmm. So, as far as the divorce is concerned, uh, she initiated the divorce, 
And so uh, there uh, was me sitting on divorce papers for a while, uh, you know, kind of, you know, take that since you want the divorce so quickly, I'll just sit on them. And so uh, there's a little bit of that going on for sure. And so we, uh, we definitely had our differences and she made some choices that, um, you know, we're not uh, going to keep our marriage together. And so uh, because of that, she initiated it. And uh, I eventually uh, followed through with signing the papers. And like I said, um, from the time she left to the time the divorce was final was uh, almost two years to the day. And when it was finalized, what were your, what was your overall feelings? Yeah, um, that was... Uh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah. We had Bible study that night, or you, you had showed up late to Bible study that night, because I think you had just gotten back from Ohio. Yes. Yeah, I would just gotten back from Ohio. Um, it, uh, it happened in the morning, and I you know, made the five-hour trek back to, toward Nashville. And um, it was a bit surreal. I didn't know really what to feel in, uh, in the moment. And, um, you know, I went through a lot of different emotions, um, you know, on the drive back. And finally, when I landed here, though, I felt as if, um, you know, this was home now. I didn't have something else tethering me, you know, uh, back, you know, in my former city. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, even though uh, there was, um, if you will, a death in a way, mm-hmm. um, you know, I felt as if, you know, that was, you know, the burial was done and everything you know, was done. Everyone had gone home, and now I live with the new life. What's crazy is I was, in a way, living the new life prior to, mm-hmm. um, just knowing that there was no emotional attachment at that point, uh, you know, again, with a two-year separation. Uh, but one thing that was different Uh, was that now that I was divorced, now I knew that I was free to move on. Uh, So during the separation, I did not date anyone, so I had no relationships. Uh, I want to make sure that, again, I was faithful to to my vows uh, because I I knew that's um, how God, you know, expected me and wanted me to, to walk that out. So with, um, with that, you know, the next few weeks, uh, I was starting to uh, gain that freedom, uh, that, you know, burden, fell off my shoulders and uh, it was actually about three months three to four months after that divorce was final that I actually met my now wife oh really okay mm-hmm. okay um, so moving on to um, to your your current marriage your now wife um, mm-hmm. divorce statistics uh, I've, I've heard that they're even higher for uh, for second marriages mm-hmm. I, I've, I've heard numbers upwards of 80% of second marriages also end in divorce and third and fourth marriages obviously marriage is something that uh, it's not something you want to be practiced at in, in that sense mm-hmm. um, having um, <laughs> so I, I know you have a very strong marriage now uh, what would you say makes for a strong marriage and what would you attribute the strength of uh, your second marriage and, and just how, how well that's gone? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if there's any challenges maybe that you want to discuss through through this this current marriage, um, those are definitely fair game. But yeah. what would you say? Um, what would you say makes for uh, for a strong marriage? Yeah, uh, making allowance for each other's faults, I think, is a big one. Grace. And so I know the Bible does talk about you know making allowance for each other, uh, each other's faults. And, uh, you know, not that uh, I'm going to let her or she's going to let me just live in uh, bad behavior. Uh, But, uh, you know, we know each other's intentions toward each other. Uh, We know that they are intentions of love, uh, but sometimes we fall short. So really giving each other grace, allowing, you know, each other's faults. And um, also submission to one another. Uh, I know that's kind of a touchy topic, you know, in some crowds. Uh, you know, the submission topic, uh, I believe when you submit to each other that the other has strengths that you don't and you have strengths that they don't. And so that's part of being self-aware is knowing uh, where to submit to another's strengths. And so my wife has some strengths that I don't. And so I would be uh, very uh, bullheaded if I uh, did not 
I would also be unwise if I were not to submit to some things that she brings to the tables and then vice versa. And so, uh, you know, the Bible also talks about submitting uh, ourselves one to another. And that's not just in marriage. And so one of the uh, smartest things I think that a man can do is submit to another's ideas when you don't have the answers. And so uh, I know that uh, Dave Ramsey says that's a sign of maturity when you can submit to someone else's ideas. And so if you're uh, well-read uh, in the area of marriage, if you're well-read in the area of personality types, you know, personally, uh, I like the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram 9 wing 1. Uh, my wife is a 3. We know each other's personality types, what motivates each other. Uh, this has given us framework from which to have conversations and framework to understand each other. And so really knowing each other has been a big help for our marriage to be successful. So again, allowing you know for each other's faults uh, with some grace and then uh, making sure that you know we have some resources at our hands and also knowing our own personality types and knowing each other's. Okay, great, great. Mike McDowell joining us on the M60 podcast. Last question, um, what role does accountability play in the masculine journey? Probably not enough. Um, and honestly, I'm a person who has shied away from accountability in the past. And uh, I've seen it over the last few years be so much more and more important. So much so, so much so that um, you know I've even created with our, our, my sales team uh, we'll call squads. And so you know we have a you know pretty good sized sales team, and the smaller squads allow each other to uh, have a couple of guys that they can be not only held accountable to, but have someone to encourage them. You know, we talk a lot about accountability and it seems negative. What comes along with accountability, if it's done right, is encouragement. You know, you need somebody to celebrate your wins with you. And so if you're doing life in isolation, it's not just about the things that we're not supposed to do or we shouldn't be doing or, hey, we should be doing that and I need someone to hold me accountable to it. We also need somebody that says, hey, you had a really good day. Hey, you know what? Uh, I saw those results. That's awesome. You know, the guy who is you know out there listening right now, he's going to the gym every day, but he doesn't have somebody kind of cheering him on, somebody in his corner. That's not okay. And so accountability, you know, works to where it's you know helping you move forward. So that could mean, hey, I need someone to hold me accountable to go to the gym. I also need somebody who says. Hey, I saw you went to the gym five times last week. That was your goal? Dude, that's awesome. Keep it up. You're a rock star. And so accountability is huge because men tend to want to fix things or fix others. And we feel like if we can just get underneath the hood of a car, you know, we can get in there and we can fix this thing by ourselves. I'll tell you what, it's been a whole lot easier. Yeah, I'm guilty of that, definitely. <laughs> it's been a whole lot easier when I've asked for help, whether from my dad, my stepdad, you know, a friend here at work, and say, hey, you know, can you help me with this issue or problem I'm having with my car? And so um, I learn more. I can get things done faster. Uh, I may miss something that they know about that it was a total blind spot for me. And so really doing life with other men is very important. Again, I'll go back to the, uh, the book club that I'm a part of. We took a little pause after uh, you know, the Jordan Peterson book, 12 Rules for Life, and we're about to start up uh, our next book here in about a month or so. We're meeting to see what book we want to do. And so there's a, a constant need for us to surround ourselves. And if we don't, uh, then not only are we not going to have somebody who's, you know, kind of holding us to our goals and holding us to what we know it should be our standard of life, but we don't have anybody cheering us on either. Right. Yeah, and, and just my own thought there is that I, going through life, I realized that I needed that encouragement a, little, a lot more than I thought I did. Um, I, I told that to a previous boss of mine in, in a, another another job that I had. I was just was good was meeting with him for a performance review and I said, you know, I, I kinda need that those pats on the back, those those good jobs more than more than I thought I did because we all kinda wanna be those rough and gruff John Wayne types or, you know, the I, I always think of 
Batman by himself in the you know the skyline of the city, you know, being being tough and brooding all by himself. But we really do need those you know those those encouragements and uh, just saying you know hey you know you 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 did good with that you did uh, like you said you had a good day you're you're doing a good job keeping up with. Uh, with being going to the gym or something, some some other type of uh, situation like that. But we are uh, out of time. Is there uh, anything that you want to plug? Any place <laughs> that uh, you want people to find you? Well, uh, nothing I want to plug necessarily, except the fact that uh, I appreciate you, John, and what you're doing. This is uh, needed and uh, a redemptive. Uh, podcast for men, uh, one that is going to shoot straight, but also give encouragement. Uh, this is great. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, so coming up next, um, Mike and I are going to do some uh, bonus stuff that's going to be behind the paywall at uh, at Patreon and Subscribestar. So if you're not following me there, be sure and look up M60 Podcast on those and. We'll have some extra bonus material for you, but for now, we must go. I'm going to come back with a quick wrap-up segment and give you homework for the week, and we'll be right back after. So I just want to say thanks again for uh, to, to my friend Mike McDowell for joining me on the very first episode of the M60 podcast and being the first uh, first guest. This is the homework segment, so what I want to do here is just lay out a few things uh, to wrap up the episode and a few things for you to take forward until you listen to uh, the next episode and then when that drops. Ideally, I want this to be a weekly podcast. Um, the The road to hell is paved with good intentions, so it may or may not be weekly, but uh, that that's what I'm striving for here at the moment. But uh, all the books that have been referenced in the podcast, those will be in the show notes. Uh, there'll also be a recommended reading list uh, posted in the show notes uh, f- uh, that you can look at via Amazon.com. But a few things that uh, I want to talk about uh, as just kind of uh, takeaways from this episode is that uh, one of the things that Mike talked about uh, in the world today is that we need to have a good foundation of gratitude. We need to find things in our lives that we should be thankful for and be grateful for. Self-awareness is key for the masculine journey and for what it means to be a man in, in 2020. Find your strengths. Find your weaknesses. Find find what pisses you off. Find what makes you happy. Learn your personality type. Learn who you are and learn why you see the world the way that you do take ownership of your life there are a lot of things in the world today that are against men but not everything is the fault of third wave feminism not everything is the fault of the democratic party not everything is the fault of tinder or what have you you need to take ownership of your life and not have that victim mentality Find some good reading. Mike referenced uh, Battlefield of the Mind and 12 Rules for Life. We mentioned Wild at Heart a couple times in this podcast by John Eldridge. Those are great places to start. But be intentional about what you're putting into your brain. Seek out informative and positive information. If there's something that you want to learn more about that surrounds the masculine journey or pretty much anything, you have the wealth of of the world's knowledge in your pocket if you have a smartphone. You may not be able to use it because of data restrictions, you may not be able to use it everywhere, but there's places that you can have access to Wi-Fi where you can download that information. Mike talked about squads uh, at his job where he puts his teams into accountability groups. Finding that encouraging accountability, finding community. Life is not meant to be done alone. And that's something that uh, was a huge takeaway for me and something that I definitely struggle with is that uh, I tend to take on life alone. Uh, and that's not a good thing. I'm working to get into uh, to some men's groups. And uh, I think I might actually hit up Mike to, uh, to be part of his book club. That sounds like a, like a fascinating, uh, fascinating group that he's got going there. But... Those are just a few takeaways that uh, that I want to give you for the week. That's your homework. Find something to be thankful for. Uh, f- look at uh, your strengths, your weaknesses. 
take a free version of the Enneagram, a free version of the DISC personality test, uh, a free version of the Myers-Briggs test to find out what type of personality you are to have that self-awareness. Take ownership. Not everything is everyone else's fault. Don't have that victim mentality. And find that encouraging accountability. Find a group of men that, uh, that you can be a part of, that you can bounce ideas off of. Thank you very much for listening to the M60 Podcast. I hope you will join me again for my next episode. Links to uh, all the referenced reading material is in the show notes. And links to my Patreon, Subscribestar, PayPal are all in the show notes. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, any social media that you can think of. You will find the M60 Podcast on there. Just search M60 Podcast. And I am your host, John Waltz, and I will talk to you again next time.